Good day today, and welcome. A, uh, a different day today, a different tone today. Yesterday, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation for the postseason, or more so for the weekend coming up, leading, possibly leading to the postseason, hopes of the postseason. Uh, yesterday at this time, uh, we were talking about uh, our plans. We were talking about how, uh, you know, I was telling everybody I'm going to, you know, do some food, go down to the bar. Uh, I couldn't wait to sit down and watch Buffalo and Cincinnati last night. The uh, play two really good teams, probably the best matchup on Monday Night Football we've seen all season long. Two teams with uh, seating ramifications and such. And uh, and then, obviously, early on in that ball game with five minutes, just over five minutes to go in the first quarter, the uh, – the the you know the the scene unfolded on the field at in Cincinnati that uh, I think quite frankly it it shocked us all nobody I shouldn't say nobody but um, we have never seen CPR on the field before we've seen a lot of things we've seen guys go down with head injuries we saw Tua on that exact same field uh, go down with his second concussion in a matter of four days and tense up and what have you. We saw Ryan Shazier injured and his body lifeless. I mean, he still was awake and alert, but his body lifeless as the shock to his spinal cord um, left him laying motionless on the carpet. What we saw last night was... We all saw it, so I don't have to describe it. But we saw an outpouring of emotion from both sides, whether you were from Bills Mafia, Bengals fans, both teams. We saw the attempt to regroup. And then finally, Sean McDermott just kind of looked at his guys and said, we, we can't do this. We can't do this. Um... And kudos to, to Sean McDermott and then even to Zach Taylor when he came over to the sideline and they looked at each other and just, yeah, just, you know, we can't do this. Uh, I thought Troy Aikman during that broadcast, and let me say this, if you've ever, it, it, it's, it's very difficult to see something like that. I've never seen anything like that. I've been covering sports since 1992. I've been playing it since probably the late 70s. I've never seen anything like that. And I've seen some some kind of wicked things in my day. I've never seen anything like that. Never. Um, we know about players that have had heat stroke. We know about, say, Corey Stringer uh, up in Minnesota when he collapsed uh, and he died of, uh, of the heat stroke. And then there was a lot of look into certain things that, you know, players and such were taking and trying to lose weight and working out in the heat and, you know, then rules were put in place for that. And things that, you know, we've seen in the past that you can say, okay, you know, we we can prevent this. This was that you, you can't prevent. And we don't even specifically know what exactly caused it and what it was. We've seen different speculation, and I don't want to go too deep into that. But we've never seen anybody, given CPR, and hit with the defib paddles on the field where his jersey's cut off, his shoulder pads are cut off so they could get to the man's chest to begin chest compressions 
and then to hit him with the defib paddles to get his heart started again. We've never seen that. And you couldn't help but think not only of the teammates that had to sit there and witness this, some of them turning their backs so they could, because they just couldn't. The overwhelming influx of mental anguish, it, it was almost unwatchable for some. But then you think, and I couldn't help but think of his mom, his parents, his friends and family that were in the stands that are watching this. This is the equivalent of stadiums being filled back in the day to watch gladiators fight to the death. This guy gave, damn near, gave his life to play football. So um, we witnessed something we'd never seen before. I I know you go back to, I, I think it was, I think they had talked about an incident with a uh, a Lions player who had a heart attack. And this was back, I think it was probably right about the time. I mean, I think it was either out, not born yet or it was, I was a little kid. But I don't remember anything like that. But uh, the scene is obviously different. The cameras are obviously different. The ability to get into close-up wise is obviously different. And I commend ESPN for the way they handled it. Uh, but but going back to what I wanted to say, Troy Aikman had said something rather poignant. It got kind of lost in the conversation. When they took uh, DeMar Hamlin off the field in the ambulance, and as both sidelines started to regroup, he said, I don't think I could play the game not knowing if he's okay. Because most players... That get put on a stretcher, they give you the thumbs up, they're talking, guys will go over, hey, you know, hey man, we got you, you know, the guy will talk to them, you know, thanks, go get them, whatever. You've got that communication. He lets you know that he's going to survive. He's okay. And you can go back out and play. This, you didn't know if they just took a, a, a teammate that's going to be okay or a dead man off the field. You don't know. And I think everything was done right last night. Uh, I know that it's a game of importance. I understand all of the ramifications with that. But last night was about the human element, the human equation. And sometimes we forget when we call these guys bums and losers and, and, uh, and you know, worthless. And I, I think uh, there was a lot of adjectives that have been used about players and such. And I get it all the time on Twitter when somebody doesn't make a tackle, doesn't make a play, um, you know, looks as if they're not trying. I mean, there's there's all kinds of adjectives that fans throw out. But last night was the, the human equation, and that could not be denied. And I think like many of you, I, I stayed up last night uh, until – and I had uh, friends of mine uh, in Cincinnati that were texting me that were letting me know what was going on. And they'd gotten some information. Obviously, his marketing agent um, had posted on Twitter, and I reposted that, that he had a breathing tube. He was being sedated. Uh, they were going to run additional tests. He had a cardiac cardiac arrest. Um, so it was, uh, it, it was rather dire looking. But uh, I'll give you just a little of my background into this to give you kind of the sense um that exact trauma center was where i was taken on december 4th of 2015 and for those that have followed me throughout my career you know that 
I had an incident with a snowblower in which my heart stopped. And that's the exact same place that I was taken, in the exact same ER, in the exact same trauma center, uh, where you get incredible care. It's, it's, you know, I know everybody says it's considered one of the best in the country, but it really is. It, it's really top-notch care. Um, my uh, cousin used to work there as a nurse. So I texted her last night, and I said, hey, uh, she worked in the ER, so she's seen it all. I said, have you ever seen anything like this? And she said, one, there's two things to remember. One is that the ambulance waited for his family to get into the ambulance and go to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center with him, which is a good sign. Because had it been dire to where he kept arresting, they never would have stopped. They would have sped out of there and got him there within minutes. Uh, She said, so that was probably a pretty good sign that at least he was somewhat stable, still critical, but stable. Um, She said the other is uh, the way they work in Cincinnati is they are extremely cautious. They do not give out information. They don't like to hold press conferences when it comes to um, when it comes to anything, whether it's shooting victims or, you know, what have you. Uh, They don't like to hold press conferences. So it's something it's not out of the norm for them to say, we're not going to do this. We'll not release information. And if they do, it's either a hospital spokesperson or it's via you know, press release. So everything that kind of went on last night was kind of expected as it unfolded or didn't unfold. Uh, But at least it kind of went along the lines of what I was being given. So, and I talked to our buddy Mo Egger down in Cincinnati, I was texting him and just kind of see what was going on. And uh, boy, the outpouring of support of Bills fans and Bengals fans and holding the vigils in front of the hospital last night and down at the stadium last night. They said it was walking out of um, the stadium last evening. They said it was surreal. Nobody was talking uh, other than saying, I hope he's okay. Um, it, it, it just, it was a very, it, it was a very surreal moment. So, you know, I know it's something everybody's talking about. Everybody deals with it and emotionally differently for what you saw. Because nobody has seen anybody drop in front of us before. And I know there were some people that were downplaying it, saying he fainted. He didn't faint. He had a heart attack right there on the field. Um, when You know, fainting is fainting and you're still breathing. When they have to provide CPR and give you oxygen and hit you with the paddles to get your heart started again, uh, that that's it. I mean... <laughs> You know, I, that's about as close to death as you can possibly come. So, and I know. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, you just, you hope that uh, today the information that comes out is he's been stabilized. He's out of critical condition. I know they were running tests uh, on his brain and on his heart last night and this morning. And uh, so now you just, you just wait and see. The other side of this uh, that I think is unfairly being vilified is the NFL. Um, you know, players, first of all, think they're invincible. And secondly, they do it for the love of the game, the love of the competition, the love of the machismo, the love of the money, the love of competition. Um, yes, the NFL gets the rap for being a meat market and uncaring and, you know, not considering and such. And I've seen that ugly side of it. But this is the ugly side of the game in which these guys do put their bodies on the line. So whether that was caused by the blow to his chest, the exertion, 
or there was just some hidden ailment that nobody saw, nobody caught in any physical, we don't know. So I'm not going to sit here and vilify the NFL. I'm not going to vilify the Bills. I'm not going to vilify the Bengals. I'm not going to vilify the Players Association. None of them. It's just, you know, this is a tragic incident that we all have never seen happen, and you hope that we never see it again. But you just kind of wait. You just wait and see. So uh, let's do this. Um, I'm going to step away, take a quick break. I'll open up phone lines if you want to chime in, 877-867-1670. You can do so. Um, And uh, there's one more side of this I want to go to when we come back, and uh, and we'll get into that discussion as well. But I just thought there was a lot of poignant things displayed last night and some really solid discussion and coverage last night, and I want to bring some of that to you as well. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. We'll be back right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. After the holidays, but uh, if you are looking for jewelry, jewelry repair, trade-in, trade-up, new, or a hearts on fire, rocking your world, let Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend. Kane and Kane, K-O-E-H-N, KaneJewelry.com. That's KaneJewelry.com. Let them rock your world. Also, go to the website and scroll to the bottom of the page. Andy, uh, Andy Kane, who is uh, the proprietor, uh, and it's been in his family for years and years. He does a great podcast called the, called the Buy Like a Guy podcast, and you can see his stuff there, too. That's Kane and Kane Jewelers in uh, West Bend. Let them rock your world, as they say. Yeah, there you go. That's our good friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers. Um, so last night, uh, Twitter is, it, it can be toxic. Social media can be toxic. We all know that. We've all lived, we, we've all been there, done that at some point in time. We've all seen something that's aggravated us, incited us, uh, targeted us, whatever. Uh, but last night, what you saw, it, people wanted to do something for Demar Hamlin's, for Demar Hamlin. And, and what they found was his charity and the GoFundMe page. He was trying to raise twenty five hundred dollars for a charitable venture. And as of today, it stands at $3.3 million because people began to dig into the social media side of his wants and such and his good doings. And they were pulling up so many different things, interviews of him talking about how how he cherished life and, um, you know, obviously his charity, uh, things that he had stated about his joy of starting um, so it was, it, it was, it was, um, it was really cool last night. It was really cool to see the outpouring of support and emotion and, and people wanting to do something, anything, you know, you didn't, it, it couldn't help this man laying in the hospital, but you could help somebody in his name. So it was great to see. So social media had its place last night. And I thought that was fantastic. But uh, going back to the broadcast with with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, 
and I was watching Twitter and and the pessimists, the people that are always negative, started to come out of the woodwork, and um, you know about how they kept going to commercial and they're selling commercials while a guy's laying on the field. No, what they were doing was respecting the moment. That's what they were doing. They were you, you. Everybody wanted to know what was going on. We all wanted to know. Okay, how bad was it? We wanted the up close television view. Show us it's it's the car wreck we don't want to look at, but we want to look at it. And instead, they did the right thing, and they just sat in silence. They let the scene play out in your mind. They gave you a little bit of commentary, some inner thoughts. You could tell everybody was emotional. And they said, well, just, just continuously, we'll be right back. And, and that's the, that was the thing to do. And then eventually when the game was postponed and when they kicked it back to the studio, and I think we all saw it because it was on both ABC and ESPN, when they went to break and then kicked it back to Scott Van Pelt in the studio, the – Interview he did with Lisa Salters on the sideline, the sideline reporter from from Monday Night Football, and her getting emotional after witnessing what she'd witnessed in the players just kind of milling around and and what they were going through and trying to bring you into the story, even though we had witnessed it. I thought they did a magnificent job, a magnificent job. And Scott Van Pelt is eloquent, he is articulate, and then they brought in Ryan Clark. And Ryan Clark was a guy that almost passed, if you remember his his stint in the hospital. <laughs> so Ryan Clark brought an entirely real, compassionate and passionate perspective to last night and the coverage that ESPN, you have to do it. I mean, you you can't just say, okay, we're going to go on to other things. This is a this is a moment in which we all witnessed it as a nation. There was millions of people were viewing this game last night. Most of us were. We're all sports fans. Most of us were, and I thought that Ryan Clark gave a brilliant, from the heart discussion, speech, whatever you want to call it, dissertation of the moment and what he was thinking. Take a listen to what Ryan Clark had to say last night. I think the, the first thing, this is this, um, this is about DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a young man at 24 years old that was living his dream that a few hours ago was getting ready to play the biggest game of his NFL career, and there's probably nowhere else in the world he wanted to be. And now he fights for his life. And when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever 
The side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I, um, I dealt with this before. And I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was going to make it. And now this team has to deal with that and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player (laughs) or we're we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. So there you go. Um, in a two-minute, 13-second summation, that was about as eloquent and as, as well put as you can possibly put it. Just an FYI, in my opinion. Uh, 877-867-1670, If you want to uh, chime in, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Uh, let's go to the phone calls. Let's talk to Mike listening to us in Cut A. Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? Well, I'll tell you, the, the, this really does need a lot of attention here, um, and I don't want to blow it off. I want to change the subject matter, um, but I feel the same way everybody does, and I'll never forget the day and the time and everything that I saw this is it's not it's not a 9-11 but in the sports world it is so I think everybody has they know where they were who they're with what they were doing at these certain times in, in their lives um but definitely this this just strikes home that everyone's mortal and heart disease is a deadly silent killer it can happen anytime to anybody at any age it doesn't matter yeah. Um, but we take this stuff for granted, and this kind of should make us all feel that we should feel pretty grateful and thankful for what we got. Um, but moving along here with the pack uh, playing the Lions here on uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. sure. What uh, I'll tell you something. I whatever happens from that point forward, um, I'm proud of the team. You know, I mean, everyone gave I gave up on them a few weeks ago, actually. So yeah. I, I'll be eating crow. If they go one game into the playoffs after they, they get into the playoffs, I'm just happy with them recovering and at least salvaging part of the season anyway. Whatever happens, happens, but I enjoy watching them. doesn't matter if they win or lose. So Nope, I appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah. so much. Um, I, uh, I, I think at this point, the you know anything the Packers do in the postseason is – I'm not going to say gravy because that's not what the expectation is. Uh, but anything they do compared to where they were, and, and I was one of them. I, I've stated this time and again, I was one of them. Uh, and I'm I'm glad if they get into the into the postseason. I'm glad to gladly to say I was wrong uh, because after that Detroit game, I didn't see a lot of correct in this team. Um, but anything they do in the postseason is. <laughs> Getting to the postseason was a feat, is a feat, because they haven't done it yet. Anything they do in the postseason, it would be remarkable. Remarkable. If they should win in advance, and I put all the scenarios 
over on uh, the Facebook fan page and retweeted it yesterday as well. But if you go and you look at all the different scenarios um, for the Green Bay Packers and uh, as to who they could play, uh, if uh, Philadelphia, you know, knocks off the Giants and Minnesota beats Chicago and then Arizona should beat San Francisco, the Packers go to Minnesota. Most of the other scenarios have them going to San Francisco. There is one in which they could end up going to Philadelphia, and that is if the Giants beat the, the Eagles, Washington beats Dallas, and San Francisco then beats Arizona, the Packers would then end up going to Phil- or to Philadelphia because San Francisco would take over as the number one seed. Um, but the rest of it is either San Francisco or Minnesota, most of those scenarios. So uh, there's... I think uh, four or five scenarios that puts them in San Francisco. There's three scenarios that puts them in Minnesota, one that puts them in Dallas, and one that puts them in Philadelphia. But uh, regardless, it's uh, if if they, they, they win and they're in, and that's all there is to it. And anything they do beyond that is um, would be impressive. But if they would go to San Francisco, and which is the most likely, if they win, and if they would go to San Francisco, and if they would win in San Francisco, I think at that point in time is when you think to yourself, whoa, wait a minute. You just beat the number one defense and a pretty good scoring offense. And now I think the rest of the world would have to sit up and take notice and say, wait a minute. Not only did this team get high, but now they're for real. So I think that would be uh, and that would be the take notice moment, without a doubt. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. Phone lines wide open, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And as the rain falls and it's going to turn colder throughout the week, uh, you know, uh, make your house more economical right now. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. They, they, with mine, I can take a video camera downstairs right now and show you. It's sitting right there at 70 degrees where I keep it. It doesn't fluctuate. It's perfect. That room used to go five, seven, eight degrees difference in the wintertime than what the actual temperature was set at because the door leaked so bad. And it wasn't like leaking like wind was coming in. It was just letting the heat out and the cold in. And when I had that door replaced, I, the one thing I was anxious for was really cold weather because I wanted to see if that door would kind of, you know, like keep up because that room is so big and damned if it didn't. It, it's, it's amazing. The house is more economical. The house is more beautiful, obviously, more valuable. I mean, that door adds a lot of value. Now all the doors, all the windows are replaced in this house. And the house is more valuable. And then you can get it with different colors, different interiors, different exteriors, different hardware. Everything can match your style. Everything can match your current decor. It's awesome. Go to PellaWI.com, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com, or call them 855-PELLA-WI and set up your free, free in-home consultation. 855-PELLA-WI. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back, the Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Hey, if you are out and about tonight. 
just uh, going to relax a little bit, have a little Italian food. It is Albanese's Roadhouse on Blue Mountain Road out in Waukesha. If you're looking for really good Italian food right next to Menards, right across the street from Home Depot, you're going to see that family-owned business that's been there a long, long time. Joey and his staff do such a great job. I, I get the, uh, the uh, meatball sandwich every time I go in there. Kristen loves the lasagna and the Italian sausage. They just have terrific food, but it's, it's a great atmosphere, good people, very homey. So stop in, and uh, they have bocce ball leagues pretty much year-round. So if you're looking to do something with a group of people or by yourself and meet new people, they have that going on as well. There's Dominic Sports Bar inside. Stop in Albanese's Roadhouse and uh, tell them we sent you. Tell them we sent you, but it's a terrific, terrific place. And if you got a party or catering, too, they do that as well. Uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, the one thing I, I and I've had numerous people now ask today over on Twitter, two emails, and a couple people mentioned this, but uh, the Skip Bayless thing, uh, people love to hate Skip Bayless, and I, I'm one of them. His timing last night stunk. I understand. I, now, I didn't listen to I, I and I don't, so I, I can't say I didn't today because I don't. I don't listen to Skip and Shannon. I, it's not something that I pay attention to. I think it's uh, – I, I just don't think it's very good. Um, but I didn't listen to it today. I don't know if he apologized or not. but I, He did. Did he? Okay. I mean, he, um, in a Skip way. In his Skip way. Like he addressed way, yeah. it, I would say. Yeah. he uh, He's an ass. That That's all I can say. I have zero respect for Skip Bayless. Other than the fact that he has played the villain extremely well, he is the WWE of of sports talk or whatever you want to put it. But this guy, for, for people that say, well, he's a talk show. No, he was a sports writer. He knows better than to hit enter and the timing of uh, of all of that. And I think he's a scumbag. I don't like the man. I wouldn't have him on my program. And I, 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 I just, that's where I'll leave it. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's go to Spencer listening to us up in Wausau. Spencer, how you doing, man? What's going on? Bill, Bill, hey. Uh, first of all, you know, I've called to the show a few times. I, I don't have the words, you know, to say watching the broadcast last night, how I felt. It's the first time in my lifetime I've witnessed something along this line happen during a football game. And it just kind of, brought everything into perspective that although we're, we're diehard NFL fans, we live and die with football. There's a moment in time where that game becomes exactly what it is, a child's game. Um, so, again, prayers and just thoughts for DeMar, uh, DeMar Hamlin. Um, I, I wanted to also get your thoughts about the broadcasting side last night. I know you touched on it briefly about 10 minutes ago, but God Van Pelt, Lisa Salters, you know, the, the team in the studio – uh, Adam Booger and, and Susie, and mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but even Joe Buck and Troy Aikman last night, yeah, a phenomenal job to just keep everybody, just keep everybody's composure. Um, I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. And I, one thing I was talking about as well, I didn't have, <laughs> I, I didn't have the thoughts coming into it, but as soon as he said it, the Skip Bayless thing, he should be let go. He, he should be, he should be. Essentially, let go for Fox Sports because I agree with you 100%. The man hit send knowing full well what he was doing. And right. I, I think he was just the scummiest thing I've ever seen from, yeah. you know, from that kind of person. Because I know his job is to be the villain, but 
there's a point in time again where you're no longer a villain and you become and <laughs> I'll I'll mince words here a little bit because I know you're on the air and I don't want to get you canceled, but <laughs> there's a time and place to be a person rather than an ass. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you and, and appreciate the phone call. I, I think what he did last night was wrong. And um and like I said, he's an educated man, he's a writer, he knows when he hits enter. It wasn't like he just blurted it out and then said, okay, it was an, an untimely comment. This was something he took time to write and then hit enter. And it was just, it was extremely poor taste and bad timing. Extremely. Uh, going back to the broadcast last night. Now, I have never been a part of that, I have to say. Uh, I do have a news background. I did news at WCPO in Cincinnati. I, I've done some freelance news. I did news uh, on the day of 9-11. As a matter of fact, when we were all called in, I was working at WTMJ at the time. And, I, and again, going back to where, you know, knowing where you were and you'll never forget. Um, and they, they called and said, all hands on deck. So we went from being sports people to news people. And uh, and because of my news background, I got a chance to uh, to do that a little bit. Not that I wanted to, but it's what you have to do. The day that Irv Favre died, I went from being sports to news and breaking that news. Um, you, I, I don't know. There's people that do it extremely well. I don't know if I don't know how to describe it because what you're trying to do is. Be sensitive to the moment. Be factual. That's the one thing, because people want to know. And this is a moment that is very big. And it's not a, a career maker or breaker for you personally. But what you don't want is to put out something that's a rumor, that's false, to put out something that's erroneous. Last night, the marketing agent for Damar Hamlin uh, had posted some stuff. And I saw it. And I didn't post it for a long time. I didn't repost it for a long time. And the reason I didn't was I, I don't know the man. And it didn't have a blue check mark next to his name. I scrolled his 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 piece. So what I did was that's when I called uh, my niece or my cousin. And I got, you know, some background from her. And then I saw that Andrew Brandt and a couple others that I trust reposted. So... It, in that case, yes, you want to get information out. Yes, you want to be informative, but more so than anything, you want to be you want to be right, and you want to be respectful, and you just want to report the facts. But people are hungry for information. Even now, uh, you know, people are hungry for information. They they keep talking about at what point the University of Cincinnati Medical Center is going to either hand out a press release and or uh, a, a press conference. And there are still news trucks and such, uh, from what I understand, just gathered all around because this has become bigger than just sports, uh, gathered all around the medical center out front. And um, so you're sitting there and they're constantly throwing it to you and you're constantly trying to give them something new. And all you're trying to do at that point in time, just like on 9-11, was describe the scene the stories around the scene, the impact it has on, on the human equation, 
and and then all along gather information that's factual that can be that you feel good about reporting. But there, there's nothing else you can, you don't prepare for this. Nobody ever says, hey, if this happens, if a guy, you know, has a heart attack on the field, this is what we're going to do. There's no playbook for that. Pardon the pun. There, there's no, you, you don't, it's, it's the same thing as when, you know, you had, uh, you know, a camera or two or reporters on the scene the day of the Waukesha Christmas parade tragedy. You don't prepare for that. You, you don't go into it thinking this is what's going to happen and how am I going to handle this? What you're doing is is you're trying to make sure that you help first, if you can. Secondly, report what you saw. And thirdly, get the other accounts that are trustworthy because people have a thirst for knowledge. People come together. Like it or not, you and I, you and I sat there last night and watched it. And we watched the coverage because most of the time the game ends, Sports Center comes out, ah, I'm going to bed. Not last night. We were all sitting up wanting to know, is he okay? The, the Buffalo Bills stayed in that locker room. It was well after midnight in Cincinnati before they even left the locker room. They were sitting in that locker room wanting to hear. And when they finally got word that they had a breathing tube in him, he had been sedated, uh, they had uh, stabilized his vital signs, he was still listening in critical condition, they were going to run additional heart tests and brain tests, and that, he, I don't want to say progressing, that would be an erroneous term, but that they were going to continue monitoring him and they knew that he didn't pass, that's when they made the determination, okay, we can at least at this point knowledgeably, safely get on our flight and go home and try to be with our loved ones and our family who went through this trauma because all your family members, your wives, your kids, everybody's watching that game. They're at home going, oh, my God, what just happened? You know, you want to get home. You want to you you want to be home with your wife, your kids, your family, your friends, and then you want to get back into that locker room. You want to get back into the facility, and you want to be with the guys in that locker room because you want to go through all of this. Because nobody knows, you don't know, and I don't know what they're going through for the for for the guys that have to now try to flip it and and go back to doing their job. You know, like even the day after nine eleven. A lot of places shut down, but the world continued to spin. And at some point, you, 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 try to, you try to put things back and say, okay, I know this happened, and I'm going to be cognizant of this, and I'm going to be heartfelt for this, and I'm going to be loving and caring and praying for this. But we, we, we got to do this. And, and now how do you do that? And that's the reason last night with all of that coverage, we sat glued to our television sets, and I'm still – Right here, right now, watching, you know, live commentary on TV of, you know, people out in front of University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm woefully late for a break. I apologize. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers kept their playoff hopes alive with that big win over the Vikings on Sunday night. David Bakhtiari returned to playing left tackle a month after having his appendix removed. He played on 56 snaps against Minnesota. I asked Dave, how long was he told he could not do any lifting after the surgery? Yeah, so I couldn't lift anything over 20 pounds for like three weeks. Um, other than that, there was a big question mark on was kind of asking around. So it was a journey for everyone, including myself. 
definitely sucked. Just was really, really weird. But I, I mean, I'm very fortunate that, you know, like really the last 10 days, it just kind of like took a huge turn for the better. Uh, very fortunate to be where I am. And after that win over the Dolphins, Bakhtiari was determined to get back on the field. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. He told me on, on the flight home after the Miami game that he said, I'm playing. So I said, okay, well, we'll see. And he was able to get through the week, and I thought he played a really good game. Up next, the Packers will host the Lions. The kickoff scheduled now for 7:20 this Sunday night on NBC. Head coach Dan Campbell asked if he thinks the Lions are ready for primetime TV. What do you think? You do? I do too. I do too. So, but that's not for up up for me to decide. You know, I know we'll put up a hell of a fight one way or another. Listen, I just. I don't care. I, I just want to play, you know. So it's coming, and it'll be down the wire, and they'll be there. We'll be there, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an exciting game. That's Lions head coach Dan Campbell. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. you by our friends at the Water Doctors in Waukesha. John Adley and the gang reminding you, and I'm reminding you, that the Connecticut water softening system, the, the best I've ever had, uh, Connecticut is an amazing water softening system, and uh, has been. I, I've had this thing in my home for over 20 years now, and I would not go with any other system. I just wouldn't. Uh, I've seen the rest. I've experienced their service, and <laughs> which is all that led me to uh, John Atley and the gang at the Water Doctors. Call them, 262-549-7733, from anywhere in the state of Wisconsin. 262-549-7733, or just simply go to H2, the letter O, doctors.com, h2odoctors.com. And a reminder, they also donate to the Custom Canine Service Dog Academy to help veterans. Uh, you can donate directly, same thing. Uh, H2, the letter O, doctors.com, and find every drop counts. But uh, they do a lot for our veterans and a lot for service dogs and such. And and uh, it's it's a terrific cause, but it's an even better company. And that's our good friends over there at the Water Doctors. Um, Brad Spielberger, uh, Pro Football Focus, going to be joining us coming up here after the top of the hour. We'll talk a lot about the NFL, but obviously uh, what went on last night as well. Also, uh, just heard back, but our buddy Mo Egger, he was at the game last night, and he is going to join us coming up here at the bottom of uh, the next hour. And we'll get his account and his perspective on all of this. And uh, and we'll talk with him about what he witnessed there in person and what it was like in person last night at uh, Paul Brown Stadium in the Queen City. So we'll get his uh, thoughts as well. Also, uh, just released moments ago, a statement from DeMar Hamlin's family, and I want to give you this. It says, on our behalf uh, of our family, we want to express the sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to DeMar during these challenging times. Uh, we are deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from his fans around the country. We also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professionals at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center who have provided exceptional care to DeMar. We feel blessed to be a part of the Buffalo Bills organization and to have their support. We also want to thank Coach Taylor and the Bengals for everything they have done. Your generosity and compassion means the world to us. Please keep tomorrow in your prayers. We will uh, release updates as soon as we have them. 
Thank you, the Hamlin family. Uh, Coach Zach Taylor and a lot of the Bengals actually went to the hospital last night. Uh, and again, coming up at the bottom of the next hour, we're going to talk with Mo Egger of uh, ESPN Radio in Cincinnati, and we'll get his perspective on all of this. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Hang in there. A lot more. The Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.